Saturday, the 27th of March. I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. Thank you so much for the download. So for the second time in a row, we have an all basketball episode as we are about 48 hours, 72 hours removed from the trade deadline in the NBA. And here to help me break everything down from the Canadian press, Neil Kumar is with me. Neil, how are you? Not too bad. How are you doing, Randy? Uh, doing great. Thank you. So a uh, lot to go through. We'll be talking about some of the big moves of the day, uh, such as uh, All-Stars, Nikola Vucevic, as well as Rajon Rondo finding new homes. Same with Victor Oladipo. Uh, we'll also talk about the uh, All-Star that did not find a new home. Kyle Lowry, labeled the greatest Raptor of all time, will be sticking around. Norman Powell, however, is headed to Portland. What does this mean for the season, for the future, for the Toronto Raptors, that and quite a bit more? So, Neil, uh, first things first, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you about your thoughts towards uh, a very historic night in uh, Canadian broadcasting as well as in the NBA as the sports network here in Canada uh, had an all-female broadcast crew for the Toronto Raptors game against Denver I'm not sure if you did see the game but uh, what are your what were your thoughts the broadcast did you by chance uh, catch uh, Wednesday's game I did as a matter of fact I did see that game I did hear the broadcast of the all-female team which was great I know that was the first time in NBA history that they had an all-female broadcast done for one game so that's a mark on both sides not just in Canada but of course in the NBA so I thought that was great. And I think that, you know, in terms of what we're seeing, a lot of women are starting to make their way into the NBA. We've already seen them as, you know, referees. And now we've got one that's a coach assistant in San Antonio. And, you know, there's just like a lot of movement happening with women coming into sports. I know they have some entering the NFL. And I think that's in a coaching role, if I'm correct. And I know that female broadcasters kind of like the other half of the broadcast team for like probably the last, you know, two or three years steady. And I think that it's been growing quite well. And I watch a lot of NBA TV and I think they've been doing that quite well because they have the NBA and then they have the WNBA and then they can always get a WNBA player too. And so I think there's a lot of room for women to make their way into the sport. And I think that's great to hear them do a broadcast. I like that there's a lot of those NBA players and WNBA players kind of coming together, like, and they're broadcasting that way now. Like I say, like they have a female pretty much on every panel and that's good. And I think that's great. I think there's a lot of room for it. As a matter of fact, I was pretty much so impressed with that movement that it actually inspired me and my fantasy league to bring in a couple of women as well, because I had a couple of people drop out. So I know one girl that I went to college with and she's a, former college you know friend of mine and a former colleague and she knows sports she's a Toronto girl and she knows all the sports teams and she told me last year just chatting with her that she was in fantasy sports I couldn't believe it I was like that's awesome 
And then we kept chatting. And then she eventually said that, you know, she would join my league. And I did. And then give her an opportunity to come in. And then we had lost another member. And then I asked her if she knew another female that would be interested. And sure enough, we were able to get another one from her group of friends. And so I've got two females in there. And I think that I'll continue to incorporate more, not just for the sake of getting women in, but if there's like, I mean, I guess that is more or less kind of, I felt the movement on that day. That was actually an international women's day to tell the honest truth that I felt, Hey, you know what? Like I know one woman that wants to get in the league, maybe she knows another. And so it's just inspiring, like from international women's day and through the league. I think that's when they announced that the Raptors were going to have an all female broadcast on March 24th. So I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I love it. I think it's inspiring. And, you know, we already saw, is it, what's her name there in San Antonio? Is it Becky Hammond? Yeah, Becky Hammond. Yeah, yeah. That's right. She's already coached a game because it's just good to see. They're, they're growing the game the right way and incorporate women in every aspect that they possibly can because there are women who do that. That's great. You know, so. Well, you know, I, I think to that, though, uh, in terms of exposure now, I mean, the league has been around for close to 25 years. And I've said uh, the now I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm guessing that you saw the exchange between Shaquille O'Neal and Candace Parker during a halftime show of TNT's broadcast there. And Shaq asked about uh, Candace, uh, asked Candace Parker about lowering the net in the WNBA game. I could not agree more with Shaquille O'Neal. I have been saying that for at least 20 years that, because I, I did a, a Google search and actually I brought it up uh, with Mikey Domagala, who I interviewed uh, last episode on uh, who uh, founded NBA Buzz, a big social media site. Lower the net. There has been 22 dunks. You could Google it right now. 22 dunks in the WNBA and the league is, go- is knocking on 25 years of existence. I mean, wow. let's, so, uh, you know, and uh, Candace Parker, her only argument was that her daughter is going to basically uh, dunk without a run up uh, to, you know, I mean, okay, you know what, let's uh, find out if your daughter likes basketball first before she actually gets into the WNBA. That's my point. Uh, I, I just, I mean, Obviously, the women's game does not have a slam dunk competition in their uh, all-star program. Or uh, I, I just think that uh, whether it's pride or whether they just didn't have the wherewithal to think of it, there is no reason why uh, the women's game cannot be just as credible if the net was lowered to, say, nine feet. Yeah, I, I could see perhaps maybe an adjustment like that might make a bit of a difference. I never even thought about that. Shaquille O'Neal is pretty much bang on with a lot of things he says. He played in the league long enough. And so, well, yeah. You ask, a, but sorry, you ask, uh, you ask uh, 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 players of the WNBA and they scoff at the idea. I mean, look at the LPGA. They don't play uh, full-length golf courses to that of the PGA. At least I don't Right. I'm almost well, certain that they don't. But anyway. Yeah, women's college basketball is quite successful. I don't know how much of a factor the height of the rim is in that, but I know that, like, there's a good following on the college level with sure. women's basketball. Sure. But I could see that if maybe adjustment like that could maybe – I don't know what, like you mentioned, that the general population of WNBA, you know, what they feel about that. But, I mean, like, if there was perhaps an adjustment or two, maybe they could do that. But, I mean – 
it's going to happen. And I agree with you. Yeah, the WWE has been around for some time now. I think it was like since the late nineties. I, I think it was 98 in my memory. And I don't know if that's correct, but I remember when they brought it in, I was kind of excited for that to say, that's good. You know, like there's a lot of women now that have played in the WNBA and have had careers as coaches and it's good to see like, so that's, and that's, I think where a lot of the talent's coming from and these women have the ability to not only just be coaches and, you know, referees or whatever have you, they can also chime in on what's happening in the NBA and give an analysis. And I think that when I think about, you know, female commentators, especially when it comes to basketball, I think about Cheryl Miller and I thought she was, yeah. She was quite successful at Absolutely. the time that she was doing TNT broadcasts. And, you know, I don't know why she's not doing them now, but anyhow, she was someone that may have been a transsetter for women and, you know, broadcasting in terms of just the basketball side of things. Cause I remember her doing it and she did a great job. So there's always been an element there. The NBA does a good job of that. They always kind of bring in the female element. And then like, it's good to see Candace Parker, as you mentioned, I think she's probably now at the forefront and spotlight because she's now on inside the NBA regularly. And so, yeah, I think that it's just definitely growing. I think we have yet to see how much more they're going to get out of it. I think it's only going to get better. And, you know, when you talk about WNBA, I mean, I don't, one thing is that there are a lot of cities that have teams, but then there are a lot that don't. And like here in Toronto, we have the Raptors and we have a 905 team, but we don't have a women's team. There's been talk about it, the Toronto, you know, site getting maybe a women's team for the WNBA, but they would probably play in the Scotiabank arena as well or whatnot, but. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I kind of wonder now you do have a WNBA team in Seattle. I wonder how much, uh, how much success a WNBA team would be in Vancouver because I can only imagine the travel. Now I don't know off the top of my head, uh, what kind of travel like the uh, Seattle team has in uh, for their schedule. Cause I know that Portland, the trailblazers, they do a lot of travel because there's no teams around them uh, and they have to travel so much more than any other team. But I do wonder uh, if Vancouver can hold uh, an NBA a WNBA team. I am definitely interested in seeing what Toronto can do in terms of supporting a WNBA team also. Oh, it would be hundred percent successful. I mean, the 905 is successful. The Raptors have been successful and basketball has grown in Canada, especially since the fact that the, Raptors won the title. I think that we've seen a lot more interest in basketball and I'm not going to say it's taken away from hockey, but I felt in the last couple of years that basketball did maybe steal the spotlight from hockey. And then obviously when we hit the COVID-19 pandemic, things kind of slowed down because it halted all the sports for a good portion of time last year. But I think that, you know, definitely there would be an opportunity for a WNBA team to surface in Toronto and it would be nice to see it happen in Vancouver, maybe even Montreal. It'd be great to see other Canadian cities get some basketball flair and get a team. I actually, back when the Grizzlies were leaving Vancouver, I thought, you know, it's too bad. Like someone didn't come in and want to move them to another Canadian city. I would have moved them to Calgary and called them the Calgary Cowboys because they would have played in the South. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that would have been, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I definitely think that Vancouver could hold an NBA team and, yeah, I definitely think that they were robbed uh, of that. I mean, now we're getting completely off topic, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> that but, uh, story for another day. Well, yeah. yeah, 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 perhaps. <laughs> why don't we get back to uh, the trade deadline? That is why we uh, decided to get together uh, today. And uh, a total of 16 trades did take place. A uh, number of all-stars, as mentioned, uh, Vucevic uh, 
is off to Chicago. Rajon Rondo went from the Lakers, signed with Atlanta. Now he's back in L.A., of course, this time with the Clippers. He got traded for Lou Williams. Uh, Aaron Gordon has gone to Denver, where apparently things had soured uh, with Gordon. Uh, Neil, did you expect the amount of trades uh, that did take place? Uh, uh, 16 te- uh, trades, and there was seemed to be uh, some pretty big names uh, that uh, uh, moved uh, as well. Yeah, you're 100% right. And I think yesterday was definitely one of the busier NBA trade deadlines that we've seen in recent years. And yeah, there were a lot of significant trades. You mentioned that Ray John Rondo went back to the LA area, but this time he's playing for the Clippers. And that's obvious because the Clippers are desperate for a point guard and they made that move. I don't know how much of an impact that makes for the Clippers, but we'll see. I think Rajon Rondo always shows his real skill in the playoffs. So if he can stay healthy and they get in the playoffs, I think that can make a difference. I think that also we saw Vucevic move from Orlando over to the Bulls, and that was not surprising. I think Orlando's basically made some moves showing that they're ready to move towards the future. They also dealt Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets. I believe he's still injured, so he hasn't played yet. I don't think Vucevic played yet as well because I don't think the Bulls had a game yet. You mentioned a couple of the other trades. I'll just quickly kind of peruse through some of them. And I know that the one that kind of resonates with us the most is the Toronto Raptors trading Norman Powell to the Portland Trailblazers for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. And I think that everybody by this point knows there was some significance with Gary Trent Jr. Obviously his dad, his father played for the Raptors and he was Mm -hmm. traded as well. You and I talked about this just before you started the podcast that the significant thing was that his father played for the trailblazers and he got traded in his third season through 41 games to the Raptors and the same deal with his son. He played 41 games into his third season to the Raptors. That's the definition. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that was a good deal for the Raptors as a matter of fact, because, you know, the Raptors didn't have a lot of depth on their bench and in that one trade, they've just managed to put a lot of depth on their bench. They've, you know, dealt Norman Powell, who doesn't look like he's going to be signing back because he'll be up for a big contract. I don't know if the Raptors are looking to spend a lot of money on a player like him, but you know, he came to Toronto. He played four years here. He developed well. He, he had a good run when the Raptors won the championship and he stepped up huge last season when they lost Kawhi Leonard. You know, he wanted to start. And then this season, I think that he really proved himself. He's averaging 20 points per game. And then you and I were talking earlier, and he had 22 points tonight for the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. against Orlando Magic to beat them. And so Norm's developed. Norm's really come a long way, and the Raptors got a good deal for him. They got Gary Trent Jr., who's only into his third season. So I think he's still on a rookie contract. He's a restricted free agent. So any deal the Raptors – can match if another team was to offer him and you know a certain amount of money so it looks like he's probably going to stay in Toronto and then Rodney Hood's a pretty good veteran and the big thing is that everybody kept talking about Kyle Lowry getting moved and that didn't happen so it's kind of like I think people got thrown off because he was the biggest name on trade deadline day everybody was talking about Kyle Lowry because everybody knows the only player that was out there that was available that could alter a championship run for any team would have been Kyle Lowry The one thing I want to mention quickly, you and I didn't talk about this, but I think the big rumor for the Toronto Raptors was that Miami wanted Kyle Lowry and everybody here in Toronto was hearing that it would have been Tyler Hero, who was a rookie last year for the Heat. And he was, you know, really good. He's standout rookie. They got to the finals last year. Yeah, he's a great shooter. And I I would love to have seen that happen if they were going to trade Kyle Lowry. I would like to see him come back in the deal. And I think they wanted to get, there was another proposal that they would have sent Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry to Miami for, a Canadian 
Kelly Olenek. And yeah. uh, there's still a chance he might become a Raptor. I was hearing that he might get bought out by Houston because he got traded to Houston. And if he gets yeah, bought out, poor guy, he got traded to Houston. <laughs> yeah. But well, the good news is that if it is that he gets bought out by them, the Raptors are interested in him. And he's obviously a Toronto native. And I know that his father, I think, coached at the U of T and he has, his mom also was part of some basketball program. So if he was coming to Toronto, that'd be cool. It's another Canadian. Uh, he would have, I would have liked to have seen that deal with Miami that they would have sent Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry for Kendrick Nunn, who was rookie of the year runner up last year. He was runner up. He had a great season this year and then also get back Tyler Hero and Kelly Olenek. But so Kyle Lowry, obviously what happened was in that deal, as we heard was that at some point in that, you know, trade talk, they said Tyler Hero was off the table and that Duncan Robinson was available. Yeah. And I think the Raptors just pulled out. And I think that's when we knew that Kyle Lowry was going to stay in Toronto which is probably even a bit more bigger news than Norm Powell getting traded just because everybody expected Kyle Lowry to go that night. I think it was the night of the Raptors broadcast with all the female team. They kept saying, is this the last time we've seen Kyle Lowry in a Raptors uniform? Is this the last time we've seen Norman Powell in a uniform with the Raptors? And so I think it was a good deal. I think the Raptors, I think they won the trade deadline with that trade. I know that, like I said, you know, Orlando made a couple of trades. The Bulls made a trade. Obviously, Portland made a trade with Toronto. The Clippers made a deal. I know the Celtics also picked up Evan Fournier. But I think the Raptors stand out still, even though they didn't deal Kyle Lowry. They ended up making a deal that gave them great depth off their bench. And a lot of the analysts out there feel that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster did another one of those trades that we don't really see the results of yet. And maybe they know something we don't because there's some analysts out there saying that the Raptors could make a good run now that they've got a, a deep bench and they've got some good balance. So I think that when you asked me about the number of trades that took place yesterday, obviously it was a lot. And I said earlier, we don't really see that many trades happen 16 on a trade deadline day. I mean, like normally there are a lot, but I think that's a significant number for yesterday. And then obviously, you know, going into that trade deadline, we kept hearing about the Raptors a lot because, you know, they're not in the playoff picture right now, but then again, I think everybody needs to realize that this is an off season with the COVID-19 pandemic. still haunting the Raptors. They're playing in Tampa and they're not at home, so that's a huge factor. They don't have the fans behind them. And I know Scotiabank has approved that they can allow fans into the arena, but there's nothing happening there yet. And I don't know what the capacity is in the States. We're seeing that a lot of people starting to come into the arena. Like I was saying to you earlier, it's, you know, before the podcast started recording, it's one time it was, I think, 1,000 one week and then 2,000 next week because they're pumping the vaccines out in the States. Right. So I think that's one thing for the Raptors too. Like even though the Raptors aren't, people think that they're not a playoff team because they're not a playoff picture right now, but I think they're going up a lot, like a lot more against any other team is because they are not playing at home. They're dealing with the pandemic. Every game for them has been like a road game. And really like, they're not really out of the playoff picture because they're only a few games under 500. I think, if, I think they're like four and a half games out of fourth and they're not in the playoff Something picture. Like that. Yeah. And I yeah. Mean, that's another thing too, because uh, they, the whole thing with uh, rebuilding and trying to, uh, get assets for Lowry and Powell, and then uh, you got to uh, start from uh, start from the nub, and you know just uh, rebuild the franchise because you know the uh, the big gunners like Kawhi and Serge Ibaka are not on the uh, on the Raptors anymore. But you know, as you mentioned, like they are uh, only a, a handful of games off of fourth, and Kyle Lowry, I mean, uh, now that he is staying, he could still be a, a viable piece for uh, for the Raptors. I, I, I guess uh, uh, first things first, uh, 
when you uh, during that uh, that uh, broadcast with the uh, the Nuggets, uh, obviously uh, Kyle Lowry flashed the uh, the peace sign to the camera as he walked out uh, walked off the court for what I thought it was going to be his final time as a Raptor. You had Drake calling in uh, uh, Lowry uh, during the <laughs> post game press conference. Yeah. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to uh, be a Raptor for uh, uh, much longer. And uh, uh, like uh, after, after, uh, after Friday, uh, how surprised were you uh, with Lowry uh, not being traded? Did you think that uh, it wasn't going to happen? I think that, you know, it looked like, that was going to be something that we should have expected that they were going to shop him around. And then we started to hear in a lot of offers. And as I mentioned in the prior question that you'd asked me, I kind of alluded to this, obviously, you know, Kyle Lowry was supposed to be, you know, acquired by the Miami heat and Tyler hero would have been the, you know, player coming back. But once that was taken off the table and they said that it would be Duncan Robinson, I think that's where that deal fell apart. And I thought that, when I saw that happen, I knew that he's probably not getting traded because there weren't many other teams out there that were offering anything that would help the Raptors in return. And honestly, I really feel deep down that Kyle Lowry doesn't want to leave Toronto. I think that we kept hearing that too, that, you know, he said he wants to retire a Raptor and he would if he went to another team. Then we're also hearing that the Raptors wanted to respect him and give him like a team that, you know, they weren't going to just deal him like to try to get assets for themselves. They were going to try to deal him to a team that he wanted to be happy playing with. And, Right. You know, he's from Philadelphia. We all know he's from Philadelphia, and there's a big rumor that he would go to Philly. The only problem is that Philly didn't have nothing to give back. Like, exactly. I heard that that might happen. Right. I was like, well, what are we going to get back from Philadelphia? Like, and I don't want just draft picks for Kyle Lowry. Like, he is the greatest Raptor of all time. Everybody says that, and it's true. And, you know, I don't think everybody remembers this, but when Masai Ujiri showed up to become the GM of Toronto, he started making a lot of moves. And I was talking to you about this before the podcast started. And I was talking about the Rudy Gay deal that Masai made and that deal turned around the Raptors. I think that this deal that he just made, and we have to also mention Bobby Webster, he's part of it. The deal that they made yesterday is I think kind of like that Rudy Gay trade. And then we're going to see the results in a little later, but it may not happen instantly. It might happen next season, but I think that eventually that deal is going to show that they have a lot of depth. And I think that was part of maybe the strategies that if they weren't going to be able to deal Kyle Lowry, they would definitely deal Norm Powell and keep Kyle Lowry and make them part of the equation. So they still have a good shot of making the playoffs and making a good run. And tonight they lost. And I know that Gary Trent had eight points. You and I were talking about that. I think you said he was what due for uh, 10. He was uh four of 11. Rodney hood. was He only had a couple of points. Uh, so, you know, not, uh, not a strong debut for uh, the newest Raptors, but uh, still, uh, obviously they have a uh, quite a bit to learn uh, in terms yeah, of the system. Exactly. But you know, it, just it, playing it is, the first game. That's yeah, right. And it, it is, uh, it is funny. Uh, and uh, you know, really good point that you made with regards to uh, this Norman Powell trade being similar to the Rudy Gay trade, because uh, you and I both uh, can clearly remember uh, that, Fans wanted to hashtag tank for Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, a Canadian who uh, was drafted uh, first overall, that uh, fans were craw- uh, calling out uh, 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 the Raptors to uh, do everything they can to get that first overall pick. And that trade really turned the uh, franchise around. And really, they haven't looked back since. Uh, and 
you know, uh, Kyle Lowry has uh, been here for the entire time and uh, has now won a championship. And now he's still uh, back with uh, Toronto. It's really, uh, really incredible. But yeah, a couple quick tie-ins there I want to mention. Yeah. So, yeah. One thing I wanted to say quickly in that same breath is that Masai Ujiri actually did deal Kyle Lowry to the yeah. New York Knicks, but the trade got rescinded. That's and I was going to say, you made a good point, too, because you said that that trade with Rudy Gay is when the Raptors got turned around. They have never, ever looked back since. And they're on a serious playoff streak. They haven't missed the playoffs since, I think, 2011, 2012, yeah, if I'm correct. Years, yeah. yeah. And so this is what's at stake this year is that they could miss the playoffs and that run could come to an end. And I think that deep down, like Masai and Bobby Webster are trying to keep that going. I think Kyle Lowry also wants to keep that going. I think Kyle Lowry's heart is here in Toronto. I think that he wants to be here. And I think that they made that clear that like, you know, obviously he doesn't want to really leave here, but if we were to trade him, we would send to a team where he'd have some success and he'd be happy. And then, like I just said, you know, basically you reiterated that is that they weren't able to find a suitor for Kyle Lowry. I think, Tyler here was the one that they were after. And when they got pulled off the table, they said, okay, we could deal Norm. And, you know, I think they were going to deal them together. Like I said, if they would have dealt Norm Powell and Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat for Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, and Kelly Olenek, I would have done that deal all day long. I think the Raptors did a good move. I think that Kyle Lowry is good here. I think that he's happy being here. Oh, I think that, yeah. you know, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he signs back next year. I really wouldn't be. It might be another one-year deal again so that if they're not competitive, they could trade him again. They could have possibly trade him again at the trade deadline. I think they're always going to keep that window open with him as he goes along. But, and the thing is, Kyle Lowry's not done. The guy can still put up anytime he wants. He could put up 20, 30 points. Most nights he's not scoring. He's, he's put up triple doubles, you know, often enough. Like, he does things quietly sometimes when he's not putting up big numbers on the board, but he's always doing something. He's the best in the NBA, or at least last season he was, and for many years in a row. I don't know if he is this year, but he was definitely the best player in the NBA drawing the offensive foul. And, you know, he hasn't played a lot to that. Look at the two point. charges that he took during the All-Star game. And, uh, <laughs> to, to yeah, well, he, there's game. no question. And then here's the thing, too. Like, when the Raptors were in the finals, what I loved about him is there were a few times he put the – team on his shoulders like there was a game against Milwaukee I think it was when they were tied 2-2 and he stepped up and he scored 30 points he knew that he had to step up and that season Kyle Lowry wasn't scoring that he didn't have to score he knew that when he started that year I don't know if you recall he was leading the league in assists for the better part of the beginning of the year that year the Raptors won the title and he wasn't scoring because he didn't need to he was just passing the ball around Kyle Lowry does all kinds of things it's just he's not just the leader he can do anything and he does so much for the Raptors that you don't see on the stat sheet is kind of what I'm trying to say. So the fact that he's still here, I think there's a lot more behind it than we can actually even talk about because I think that they said in the broadcast tonight with Leo Rounds mentioning that the Raptors know that Kyle Lowry's happy to be here still. And that's something that I think that is a luxury for both sides because they knew that whether he was going to go or he wasn't going to go, they were going to be happy either way and knowing they'd be more happy keeping him. But, if that he, he was going to be sent out, they'd make sure he'd be happy going where he's going and they'd be happy with their return. So uh, that oh, was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's also something where, well, was there a, an option for Toronto trading him uh, to Orlando for Vucevic, for example? I don't think that uh, you're doing Kyle Lowry any favorites at all. And I think that would be a huge blunder, especially by trading the quote unquote uh, greatest uh, player of your franchise uh, to a team who's going absolutely nowhere. I mean, that is going to, <laughs> that would be a huge uh, uh, backfire for. Yeah. 
Right. You're absolutely right. It would have to be a competitor if you're gonna if you're gonna send Kyle Lowry off. It's got to be a contending team. I know the Lakers were, you know, like with hours before the trade deadline, I heard the Lakers were gonna try to make a push for him because they're desperate right now. They've lost LeBron to an injury. They're not sure when he's coming back. Uh, Anthony Davis has been out for you know what is it three four weeks now, and they continue to lose. Actually, I'm just getting a an alert right now saying that they continue to lose. And so, yeah, basically they're not, they're not the favorite to win the NBA title anymore, which is what everybody was saying coming into the season. And then, you know, so a lot of things could have happened yesterday and Kyle Lowry, like I mentioned, was the main guy that was being spoken of because a lot of teams know he could alter a championship run. And like, and as I said to you, you think about it, if Miami's acquiring Norman Powell and Kyle Lowry, and they were just in the finals last year, I would say they have a pretty good chance again going back. I mean, they also picked up Oladipo and a couple other players, and yeah, you know, so yeah, I, I think it would be interesting if uh, if uh, Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero. I mean, Olenek was uh, he was a good uh, bench guy, but you know, I, I wonder with uh, uh, with that kind of dynamic. See, I, I think uh, one thing that I'm uh, kind of uh, intrigued about is. I mean, let's say that Powell or uh, Lowry or both went to Miami, uh, you know, how uh, guard heavy would uh, a team like the Heat be? I'm definitely thinking that the Portland Trailblazers are a lot guard, uh, a lot more guard heavy, especially after they were the ones who won the quote unquote Norman Powell sweepstakes. It was uh, the Trailblazers who. Uh, sent Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to Portland for Norman Powell. And Neil, I'm kind of confused about this because if there is a star backcourt in the NBA, it would be Portland with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I can't figure out why Portland would want Norman Powell. I know he's got a lot of upside, but there's only two positions at guard and as far as I know, Norm Powell would be that third guard. Yeah. He's also, you can play him at the small four as well. So he's a little bit. I, I think he's too short for it. I think he's too short. I mean, that means you have three guys who are under six foot five in your starting lineup. Right. Well, they also do have, and it's Kander, and then they're going to have Nurkic coming back shortly. So they will have their size back. But for, yeah, the time being, I mean, Portland's trying to do a lot of things. They were, in the Western conference final in 2019 and they lost, that was the year that golden state beat them and they went on to play the Raptors and then the Raptors beat them for the title and brought the golden state dynasty to an end, if you will. And I think that, you know, like when Portland's in the West, they're going to probably try to make any move they can because they have that success. They know they have enough talent to do it. I'm not sure why they let go of Hassan Whiteside because he had a big career year last year for them. And if they would have kept him and, added and as Kantner, I think they would have had a pretty good balance. Like you're saying that they seem a little too small, not that they picked up Norm Powell. So you don't understand why they did that deal, but then that Norm Powell averaging 20 points per game and showing the NBA in the last two seasons that he had the ability to start because let's not forget everybody last year, when the Raptors won the title and Kawhi left like two weeks later after they won the ring, basically everybody was counting the Raptors out and saying they weren't even going to make the playoffs. And there were these players like Norm Powell that stepped up in the Raptors uniform. And they started showing that the Raptors had a lot more depth than they could ever imagine. And the Raptors won 15 games in a row last year. And Norm Powell was a big part of that. Norm Powell was coming off the bench and he was putting up 20 and 30 points a game. 
And he's now starting. And now that he's a starter, he can average 20 points per game. I don't know if he's going to average 20 points per game in Portland because you've got Damon Lillard, uh, Lillard probably putting up 60, 50 points most nights. And then you've got McCollum after him. So uh, Lillard, McCollum are big time scorers. I think that takes away from you know, what Norm Powell was doing a little bit of. I don't think he's going to get as many shots, but he did get 22 points tonight. And obviously that's because Damian Lillard was out. But that might also be another reason I was saying to you that just before the podcast started, I was we had a chat and I said to you that might be another reason why they maybe made a deal for Norm is that they can maybe rest Lillard a little bit more and a guy like Norm Powell can kind of fill in, which is what he was showing with the Raptors. I think everybody was seeing that he stepped up this year too. Like the Raptors have been down with so many players. We know that Van Fleet had COVID-19 and Siakam was out on that protocol and several others. So there are a lot of players that were out that Norm was starting a lot of nights and Norm's a valuable player now, you know, to average 20 points per game, whether you're coming off the bench or as a start is hard to do. And so I think he'll bring his game to Portland and give them some success. And I don't think that's going to be too bad. I mean, they seem to be scoring a lot anyway and doing okay winning games without the height advantage. But like I said, Nurkic is coming back soon and they've got Ennis Kantner who's been doing really well all year long. So they have a few players that can probably step in and, and once Nurkic comes back, that's a huge key for them because he's actually one of their best players. Yeah. So we'll well, see how and, and I mean, to that, I, I think that would be the reason why Norm doesn't does not resign in Portland. I don't see that happening at all. I mean, if yeah, I think that too. There's no chance. There's no chance he's going to resign there. I think that I think that's also the way the Raptors were looking at it. it was like, you know, they weren't sure that he would sign back with them. I'm not sure they wanted to sign him back because he's going to be up for a big contract. So I could see him. Honestly, I could see him going back to an LA team because he played at UCLA and I think he's from San Diego. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. I could even see Demar Derozan going back there after you know he's a free agent to an LA team. And, you know, I mean, we lost two of our good players. You mentioned earlier, Gasol and Ibaka went to the L.A. teams. And, you know, but, like, here's what the thing is, is now, like I just mentioned, I don't even think everybody realizes that the Lakers aren't the favorite to win the title. I think that if the Clippers are going to have a chance of getting past the Lakers, this might be the year because now that AD and LeBron are injured. But. We'll see. I mean, it's if, they're in time, if they're ready in time for the playoffs, then I think they'll be they'll be fine. Like, I mean, if they even drop in the standings and so on, you have AD and you have LeBron back. I'm not betting against you. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the Lakers may say that they're not worried about what seed they get. They don't care about where they're sitting in the playoff picture. But I think that actually will matter. And I don't think that there's many teams in the West that can oust them. But I think that if the Lakers don't have a home court, they might be in trouble. So because home court's a huge thing in the playoffs. So they need to definitely get a home seed. And I don't see that happening. A team that's really rising right now, the Phoenix Suns. Like, they're second in the West right now. And there's been even talk from Charles Barkley saying that. If, and he said this weeks ago, he tends to actually kind of forecast things. But he said that, I think it was three weeks ago, he said that the Phoenix Suns got into the top three in the West that Chris Paul would be in the MVP conversation. So there's going to be, a, and that's the thing, like we wouldn't normally think of Chris Paul as an MVP candidate, especially now at this point in the season, but things, this is how different this season is. Things are shifting so quickly. And when we talk about the trade deadline, that's exactly why it's significant because the trade deadline was quite instrumental. You mentioned it yourself, 16 trades. That's a lot of trades for a trade deadline day. And a lot of teams realize, everybody in NBA realizes that the, 
the NBA titles does not belong to one team right now. It's not in a favor situation. It's actually quite wide open now. And with a deal yesterday, any team could have made a deal that would have significantly helped them make a run and improve their chances. I think the Raptors did that. I think a lot of people will see what the Raptors are going to do. They may have lost tonight. You said it yourself. It's just the first game. They got to obviously work those new players into the system and get used to things. But the Lakers were looking for a player for sure. They didn't end up making a big deal for anyone. I know the Clippers got Rondo, as you mentioned, that might help in the playoffs. And then a lot of other teams just unloaded like Orlando and Houston. We've been seeing Houston unloading ever since Harden said he was out and they traded him. And Old Depot went to Orlando. We mentioned that. And obviously we were talking about Fournier. Evan Fournier left Orlando. Orlando traded three players. They traded Nikola Vucevic, who's an all-star center. He wasn't this year, but he's definitely put up the numbers. They traded Aaron Gordon, who has also potential, an amazing slam dunk. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, won a drafted, slam drafted dunk competition. Both, I think. Drafted both times uh, he participated in the slam dunk competition. <laughs> he got shafted as well? I thought that was just Levine. No, 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 no. no. Well, uh, in 2020, uh, he lost out to uh, Derek Jones Jr., remember? That's right. He tried, That's he right. tried to He tried to leap over Taco Fall. And, oh, uh, uh, yeah, we don't need to get too deep into this, but – I, I like kudos to him for trying to jump over uh, Taco Fall, <laughs> but he didn't like Taco Fall had to like uh, crouch down. Like he didn't. Yeah. Taco <laughs> and, uh, Dwayne Gate, Dwayne Wade got ripped for uh, choosing uh, his Miami brethren and uh, Jones Jr. But yeah, I don't know. Hey, all uh, like obviously Aaron Gordon left his mark in Toronto after that slam dunk competition. No doubt. Uh, when that was an amazing yeah. slam dunk coverage. That all-star weekend in Toronto was amazing. That was actually a great slam dunk coverage. And that's the one that he should have won. He should have won that one for sure. He did this amazing underneath the legs dunk. Very, Do you remember that one? Very. Oh, clear as day. Clear as yeah, day. He, that was a great – and he did get – I said, now you refresh memory. I remember him getting so upset that third time he lost. And he said, I'm not for coming back. And no, DeRozan did that too. DeRozan jumped over a car and they didn't give it to him. I know he just jumped over the hood of the car pretty was sure it, he did and then that oh, wasn't that blake well, I, i'm pretty sure derozan did it first i've been trying to find it, it on youtube i'm 100 percent certain i, that I don't did. remember i don't remember derozan doing it but i remember blake did it but you know I'm what, gonna go uh, out and what say uh, that, they have to do you know what uh nba has to do instead of giving 50s and 10s uh per slam dunk all they have to do is just give a ranking of first second third fourth that way you don't you're not forced like everybody's getting a 50 uh, in a, yeah. a slam dunk competition, no, there's only so many 50 perfect dunks. I mean, it took Nadia Comaneci uh, in 1976. Uh, she was the first uh, gymnast to get a 10, a perfect score. Uh, I never thought I'd be talking about women's gymnastics uh, during this basketball episode, but I digress. But, uh, you know, like everybody's getting a 50 and, you know, you can't do that. Like just uh, they got to change up the whole format. They have to have a ranking system. That way there's not going to be that you have a clear cut uh, first, second, third, fourth in terms of who's uh, winning the slam dunk competition. Yeah. You know, you make a good point. This year, actually, what they did was, I don't know if you saw the dunk competition. I know it was in the halftime of the all-star game, but they actually did that last round where they didn't give a score. They just uh, did a pick. I think it was. And I remember one of the analysts saying, "Why, oh, gee, I wonder why they did that. Because obviously with the Dwayne Wayne, scenario that you know that that kind of showed that he was right. the one who heard right. it for right. Aaron Gordon so they now don't want the judges doing that too much but yeah but yeah to get back on track with what you were mentioning in terms of the trade deadline I think that 
like I just was basically saying uh, how we got into the Aaron Gordon thing was we've seen teams that were unloading like Orlando. They traded Fournier to Celtics, Gordon to the uh, Nuggets, and then Vucevic to the Bulls. That's an interesting one for Chicago's. Now they've got Zach Levine, who we were just talking about, who's become an all-star for the first time this year. He's actually got a running mate now in Chicago, a legitimate one. So we'll see how that one works out. So the so there are teams that made deals that they're going to be better off in the future. But I think that I honestly feel deep down the best deal was the Toronto Raptors making that trade because they added a lot of depth on their bench. I think the Lakers needed a trade. They didn't get one. They I think they desperately needed one. I think everybody knew that. And I'm surprised that I didn't see teams like the New York Knicks or any of those other teams that are still rebuilding make a lot of moves. Now, other two trades the Raptors made that I should quickly mention, You, I think you're going to mention this in a moment, uh, but I know they traded Matt, uh, Matt mm-hmm. Thomas, yeah. and, and he got traded for a second-round pick to, uh, was it Milwaukee? Yeah, I, so uh, Thomas got traded to Utah. Terrence Davis got traded to Sacramento. And, you know, between the two of them and, uh, you know, uh, perfect timing in bringing it up because – I was a big Matt Thomas guy. I thought that he was he was an energy guy. I thought that he, uh, you know, hustled uh, every single opportunity. I thought he was money from uh, from three. And uh, yeah, maybe he got uh, lost a little bit on defense, but I did not think he got a fair shake in in Toronto. Terrence Davis, you know, obviously he had some. Uh, uh, domestic issues uh, uh, during uh, the off season. Now, I, I believe that uh, has uh, been uh, rectified now. I'm not hundred percent sure, but uh, he was a guy who was uh, getting a lot of minutes and he was uh, basically the sixth, seventh guy off the bench. And then towards the end, he fell out of favor uh, between Thomas and uh, TD. Do you think they got a fair shake in Toronto? I don't know that – I'm not even sure if you can look at it that way with Terrence Davis the second. I think Terrence Davis second showed some bright spots last season. Everybody was like, this rookie wasn't even drafted. It's, you know, another Van Fleet coming in here. That's what it was portrayed as. That was the narrative around it that this player, you know, wasn't drafted. He had a good summer league, and he showed some signs. And then, obviously, that happened with him in the summer with his girlfriend in New York City. Yeah. Something domestic along those lines. And, you know, we saw that in – you know, Toronto with the Blue Jays when Roberto Suna had, you know, a similar incident. They basically shut him down and ended up trading him later. I expected that to happen with Terrence Davis so second, but so it didn't happen. And the thing about him is he got an opportunity to kind of prove that he, you know, belonged in Toronto. He could stay there and he could contribute to the team. But I didn't really see that happen for him. I think that I was frustrated with him actually since the beginning of the year because I thought he should have stepped up right then and there. But a lot of these players were going out because of COVID-19 because he wasn't affected by any of those protocols. And he had an opportunity to step up, but he just did it. And maybe it's like, I don't know if it it could be because of what he's going through on the domestic issue. We don't know, but he definitely had his chance to be able to show the Raptors, you know, he, you know, could stick around and help them. But I kind of saw him maybe getting moved. They got a second round pick for him. I'll take that. And then I think Matt Thomas, I wouldn't know if he got a fair run because last year he sat on the bench all year long. It was his first season. I think this year he had an opportunity. They gave that to him, but I don't think that he made the most of it. I don't know if it was his fault or not or however they played it out with his minutes, but he's a great three-point shooter. Maybe he helps Utah. I know he was in the European League before that, so the Raptors actually did do him 
a solid by bringing him over to the NBA because he wasn't playing the NBA before that. Sure. And, you and, know, we wish and we... uh, did him another solid by going to uh, the best team in the NBA in Utah. Yeah. I don't believe that Utah's going to win the championship. I know they're number one. I know they're the best team. They have great depth. But like you said, you know, if the Lakers have – that's the thing. You know, you don't want the Lakers being a bottom seed, and they might be that. And, if, you know, they're not going to drop down to eighth. They'll probably drop down as low as sixth. But a team like Utah doesn't want to see the Lakers in the second round. And I don't think that the Utah Jazz would beat the Lakers in the second round, even with LeBron and AD coming off an injury. But I think that's a good deal that they made. I don't think Matt Thomas is going to put them over the top to win the NBA championship in Utah, but I think it gives them another three-point shooter. And that's the only unfortunate part is that I was looking forward to him too, just like you were. You said you're a big Matt Thomas guy, and the reason why I was high on him is because he was a great three-point shooter. He's a great yeah. shooter. I don't think they ever, I don't think they ever maximized. I think he only had like one big game of the Raptors, which was, I think like 18 points. And I think that's it. I don't think he ever had. uh, I I think that uh, the one thing that I noticed that maybe was a flaw was that he did seem to get uh, beat defensively when he was one-on-one with some, uh, with whoever that he would get a little lost when he was on D that was my, that was my uh, opinion, but it just seemed that he was, so consistent from three and uh, there there are times where i'm thinking what is nick nurse doing i like you know you need uh, you need a couple of big shots you need an energy guy uh with watanabe as well i like watanabe I, I think that he's smooth off the dribble i think he has a pretty decent shot i think he's definitely i think he's a lot more consistent than aaron baines i mean aaron baines is <laughs> so frustrating he is like our rujo 2.0 to me <laughs> He was actually quite successful last year with Phoenix, so it's surprising to see that he's not doing well. Because he well, had a big yeah. season last year. Yeah, sure, because uh, you year. know, I, I I was uh, I actually saw I remember him uh, when he was with San Antonio. I went to a Spurs Raptors game uh, years ago, and he was just he was clearing up boards like uh, he was banging uh, he was banging bodies. He was uh, doing a lot of the dirty work that Marcus Sol just didn't do in the bubble. And he comes here, and now he's uh, all of a sudden a three-point shooter. I don't get it. Like, I, I guess, oh, my God. It, it's, it's so frustrating. Well, everybody that – like, that's why Gary Trent Jr. is a perfect fit for the Raptors because that's what he does. He shoots good threes, and he gets steals. So he plays scrappy D and shoots threes. And that's what the Raptors are. They're a three-point shooting team. They play a lot of defense. And so a guy like Baines is kind of a desperation move because we didn't think we were going to lose Ibaka and – Gasol together we knew one would go and I think that Masai had flown out to see Ibaka with Webster and they came back on that flight thinking they were signing and next thing you know he was signing with the Clippers so that really really hurt the Raptors right there and that's one of the reasons why they've been unsuccessful this year I, I don't see why they don't put Boucher into the starting lineup I know he's not a big body center and he's probably not going to get any bigger but he's your best center actually you look at what he's been doing off the bench and now it ends up being a catch 22 with him too. Sometimes he suffers just sitting on the bench because his role is just being a bench player with the deal they just made. That's why I think it's the best deal that was made yesterday. They've added all this depth. I think it allows Boucher to start. Boucher was an MVP in the G league and a defensive player in the G league. That doesn't mean that he's going to do that in the NBA, but it means he is a good player and he's got something to give. And I think that, you know, I'm not questioning Nick nurse. I'm not saying why is Nick nurse not starting him? I know that he did start a couple games, but that was because, the Raptors were in COVID-19 protocol and they didn't have a choice. But I think you could put 
Boucher in the starting lineup and you get better defense, you get better minutes out of him. And we know Boucher does two things. He gets a lot of rebounds. He gets blocked shots. Actually does three big things. He hits a lot of threes as well. So he's pretty valuable. He fits the Raptors in terms of the play and the style. And when you mentioned like some of the other, you know, players like Matt Thomas and, you know, Terrence Davis second, I think that it's good. They unloaded them. They got second round picks for them. They've got, They've boiled it down to an eight-man rotation. So we'll see. I don't know how much Baines lives in that eight-man rotation, but I think he should be coming off the bench. I don't think he should be starting. But when we talk about the trade deadline, I think the Raptors definitely had the best trade yesterday, and I think that they did a great job getting two second-round picks because they're going to have to start looking at the future a little bit more. They're going to have to start making picks. When you're letting go of guys like Matt Thomas and TD2, who are young guys, and then that shows that the Raptors are looking into the future a little bit. They're not they're not necessarily saying they're giving up on their season because the Raptors play to win. They're going to try to make the playoffs. There's no question about that. That deal is probably part of that. That deal is probably also part of the future. Like I said, like there's two things yesterday with the deadline. There were teams that were trying to get that player to be able to put them over the hump to get the championship, which was Kyle Lowry. That was the person that was on the radar for that deal. And then there were teams that were unloading like Orlando and Houston because they're just not competitive. And the same with, I think, Atlanta, they're not unloading because they're not competitive, but they dealt Rondo to the Clippers and they got back the shooter who's a land lane himself, Lou Williams. To that, uh, Neil, we're going to uh, close off with one final thought. And uh, uh, it this very well could be the final year for uh, the architect of the Toronto Raptors, that being Masai Ujiri. And, you know, you think about uh, what didn't happen on trade deadline day. Another thing that hasn't happened is uh, Masai signing an extension, what his career uh, future plans are with Toronto. What do you think? Do you think uh, Ujiri uh, has uh, seen his last trade deadline day as president of the Raptors? It's interesting that you brought it up. I mean, like you were saying earlier before the podcast started that, you know, we haven't heard from him much this year. And I said to you, I think the reason why is because the Raptors aren't playing in Toronto. They're down in Tampa. So I don't know how much he's like, I'm sure he's with the team, but I don't know how much like, you know, they're doing around those parts in terms of like speaking to the media and whatever have you. But I feel that when Messiah came here, like everybody's pretty much got to remember that he left Denver and he left Denver winning the GM of the year award and he left to come to Toronto. And when he got here, he said he was home and that we were going to win championships. And, you know, he managed to accomplish that. And I know that he got his start in Toronto in terms of like, I think it was, I don't know if he was a scout or however he got into the front office. It started in Toronto. His path started in Toronto. So I think he has loyalty to Toronto, which is why he came back. And I think he's very passionate to bring, another championship here because when they won the championship, he said, we're going to win more championships. So we'll see. I don't know that he's concerned about money or having part ownership in a team. I know the Knicks offer that to him, but I think he'd make a great mistake to go to the Knicks and try to clean that up. But I think that he wouldn't go to another team if he was to leave. I don't think he wants to go and start rebuilding another team or whatever have you. I think he just wants to, you know, if anything wants, if he's going to be a GM wants to be with Toronto, but, you know, he could be, like, I think you alluded to it. You said maybe he goes on to um, a front office position in the NBA or something like that. But he definitely is uh, a valuable GM. And I think that, you know, uh, 
with Bobby Webster there too. Like I know that he doesn't make all those moves without Masai making the final call. So that's why every time we're talking about the Raptors making trades, everybody's mentioned Masai. They don't mention Bobby Webster, even though Bobby Webster is the GM. And as you said, Masai's the president. But I think that I think Masai has got his heart in Toronto just as much as Kyle Lowry does. I think that he's going to stick oh, around. Well, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, you want to talk about uh, credibility throughout the entire NBA community. The first uh, first two people that people are going to talk about in terms of executives are Masai Ujiri. And, uh, you know, you could uh, enter any next name. But when you think of uh, when uh, those who are a lot closer to the NBA circles than you and me, uh, when you think about when they think about the top executives, they're definitely thinking about Masai Ujiri. I personally don't see him going to another NBA team. I do see him, as you mentioned, going to a uh, NBA, uh, like a top level within head office, or even uh, taking uh, something even broader, like a, a position within, within the U- United Nations or something like that. I mean, obviously he has his uh, uh basketball program in Africa uh, and uh, he uh, is uh, really uh, uh, invested in that but you uh, Giants of Africa that's what I was trying to think of trying to think of the name of it but uh, you know I I don't think that he's able to evolve that uh, program without having a uh, stake in an NBA franchise and he does that with this championship winning uh, franchise in the Toronto Raptors. So I am still going to be very surprised if he does come back next year. I just don't see him going to another team. I think if you're trying to develop basketball internationally, why not do it with the NBA's lone international team? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly what he's doing. And I think that I do feel he'll be with Toronto. I don't think that he's got a challenge anywhere else. I think now his challenge would be to try to get the Raptors back in the finals and win a championship. And, I mean, when you see the trade they made yesterday, I mean, obviously we know that, like I said, Bobby Webster's the GM, but that trade doesn't happen with the final say of Masai Ujiri being ignored. He has the final say, he puts a stamp of approval on that. So if he made that trade and they proved it and they did what they had to do, it's kind of showing me that they're still trying to compete, you know, because everybody's like, well, the Raptors aren't in the playoff picture and they expected Kyle Lowry to get dealt and, Norm to get dealt, we were going to get picks or, you know, players that would help us in the future. And that didn't happen. I would say that, well, I would say it happened with the Norm deal. And I don't think that they made that Norm deal for the fact that they were trying to say, okay, we're going to keep Lowry. Like, I don't think that they said we're going to, you know, strategize this and make sure that we're going to put Kyle Lowry up there like he's being traded and bluff on that and keep him and then turn around and trade Norm. I don't think that was happening. I think they just – like I said, I think that the deal was supposed to be with Miami for Lowry, for Hero. And that didn't happen. And once that didn't happen, I think that's when they made this deal for for Norm to go over to Portland. So I think that that's a deal that helps them compete. I think that's a deal that makes their bench. Like I said earlier in the podcast, they made their bench back in one trade. They have so much depth there now. And they didn't have that in the beginning of the year. And that's why they really fell in the hole. Like, I knew it right away. I think I posted on Facebook. There was a meme when they signed Aaron Baines and everybody was like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to do it. I'm like, no, they're actually going to have a big hole at the center position. (laughs) So that was actually, when we go back just quickly to the trade deadline, that was actually one 
thing I would have liked the Raptors to have done is get a center. So I would yeah. hope Kelly. Sure. I would hope Kelly Olynyk does get bought up by Houston. They could get him at least because I what I was gonna. The reason why I'm bringing that up is that I think Masai would do that. I think that if I think what I'm trying to say to answer the question is that these moves that the Raptors are making are definitely not happening without Masai approving them. I'm pretty sure you agree with that. So if Masai is making those kinds of moves, I think it shows there's still interest for the future of the Raptors. And I think that it shows that he would be back here, whether he has a contract in place right now or not. And I think he alluded to that too. He didn't even, he wasn't, he's not worried about that. Like when they ask him about it, he's not worried about that right now. So when he says that, I don't think that he's worried about leaving Toronto or like he's quite, what I'm saying is it shows that he's quite comfortable here, whether he says that or not. His body language showed it, and, and for him to say that, I think it shows he's really comfortable in Toronto. I don't think he does want to be anywhere else as a GM. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't know of anybody offering Masai Ujiri a head office job in the NBA, and I know the New York Knicks offered him a stakeholder in the, in the team's uh, ownership to get him over there. That's how desperate they were, and he still didn't bite on that. <laughs> so uh, it's not – you don't see GMs ever getting offered ownership in the team to come and – be the GM there. And if he's the only one getting that offer and he's turning it down in New York, I mean, look, if he's a good manager and we, you know that he can turn any team around and he knows that himself, I mean, and New York offered him that and didn't take it. And you now I know, like you said, I thought the same thing myself. He's been quiet this season. And I think it's just because the Raptors are in a very different season. Like they're in the precedent times, right? So they're playing in Tampa and he wants to win more championships. I think he. I think he'll stay. I don't know when they're going to do a deal. I know that they don't rush to do GM deals like they do for players, but I think he's quite comfortable here, and that he's confident he'll get done whenever they're ready to get around to it. I think he will be here. It, it will be interesting to see if he does take another project. Uh, I, it would be absolutely incredible. I mean, it'd be on the level of Theo Epstein uh, bringing a. First, that first World Series to the Boston Red Sox. If he was to say, uh, do uh, bring a championship to the New York Knicks, uh, Masayu Jerry, which I don't see is going to happen, uh, that would be absolutely phenomenal. But really, uh, Masayu Jerry, I think, has uh, the uh, ability to uh, choose his uh, his future. And if it is with the Raptors, there's definitely uh, some. Uh, positive outlooks with regards to uh, what definitely took place during uh, trade deadline day, where it's going to lead to the, uh, with regards to the playoffs remains to be seen. So Neil, it's always great to uh, catch up and uh, talk. Uh, you know, it's been uh, Neil and I did cross paths uh, over 15 years ago when uh, we both were in the journalism field. He is doing some great things with the Canadian press uh, Neil, thank you so much for everything. Really appreciate uh, you coming on. And no problem, Randy. Anytime. My pleasure. Neil Kumar with the Canadian Press. Once again, you could find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. My name is Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. First